The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decision. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perro columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. We have a really interesting one today. We're headed off to Cuba, where Antilles Gold has uh, added a copper focus, exploration focus to its portfolio, in addition to the gold focus, which I'm sure most investors are aware of. But today we're going to focus on the copper, the big time copper potential of Cuba. Now, to bring us up to speed on just the story behind one, how um, the company accessed these uh, projects in Cuba and what the forward program is. We have the exploration director, Chris Granger with us, uh, Dr. Chris Granger, a geologist of uh, long standing. So with that, I'll just mention that uh, the code is AAU, trading at 2.9 cents for a market cap of 17 million. So. Um, Quite a modest market cap there for a company that's trailblazing exploration in Cuba, which uh, has been opening up in the last five to ten years to foreign investment. So Antilles is at the at the head of the pack there. So with that, I'm going to welcome Chris to the program. G'day, Chris. Thanks, Barry. Thanks for having us here. Because I mentioned uh, investors are well aware of the golf uh, interest the, co- uh, the company has secured in Cuba, but today it's about copper. Tell us about this two. Uh, projects of interest here, one in central Cuba, El Pilar. Let's start with that one. What's the history there and what's the forward program? The reason we're looking at Cuba is because it's massively underexplored. So there's been a huge gap, a time gap in exploration there. So if you look at the prospectivity of Cuba, it's a very mineral rich country. It's got a large landmass. Most people don't understand this, but the El Cobre copper deposit, which is in southeastern Cuba, is actually the oldest copper mine in the Americas. It was found in the early 1500s and it's been producing consistently for over a few hundred years. So there is a lot of potential there. The the last lot of exploration that was really done in Cuba was by the Russians just after the revolution, and that kind of petered out. So there was a couple of Canadian juniors that went in there in the early 90s, but since then, not much has happened. So what we've seen in Cuba is that the government is becoming very, very proactive. They're looking for international investment, and they're really looking to pushing ahead their uh, mineral sector. So there is a couple of producing mines there. Sherrod Canyon, which is the nickel laterite guys, they've been producing there for a number of decades. And also Trafigura is there. They've got an open pit-based metals mine. So it is an active mining country. There's these companies operating there, um, but they haven't really been exploring. So I had the opportunity to, to reach out to the guys at Antilles a couple of years ago and I basically did that because I've lived in South America for the last 26 years and and this is kind of my realm of expertise and, and Cuba was a big gap in, in knowledge so it's completely underexplored and it, it's wide open and you'd be crazy not to look at it. And just to continue that theme, um, I mentioned that um, obviously with the, uh, the passing of uh, Fidel Castro, Castro in um, 2016, since then there's been a thawing of relationships with the US and uh, there is, uh, it seems, a real effort by the government to encourage foreign investment. So I guess you guys are part of that change. 
hundred percent. I mean, Cuba is very much opening up. They they understand that they need foreign investment. Um, they're opening up all of their sectors, including the hotels industry, tourism, everything. So the, the minerals industry is the one that's really been overlooked because um, people really don't understand Cuba. I've never really worked anywhere in the world where you've had such a proactive government. We work with Geominera, which is the Cuban Geological Survey. And basically having the government as a partner is amazing. I mean, we can get titles granted within months, where in most other countries in South and Central America, that would take years. So we're dealing with a very, very proactive uh, government uh, organisation. They're very open to showing us what data they have. Um, We've had free reign to look at everything in the country. They've passed over whatever data was available. And that's allowed us to cherry pick these um, real uh, key projects that we've pulled out and put into Antilles, which is El Pilar and also the Sierra Maestri projects, which we call La Cristina and La Vega. I think Cuba really is a, is a copper country. It's, it's a country that the real potential there, apart from the nickel laterites, is, is, is copper, copper sulfide related to porphyry systems. So that's what we've been looking at. So we're definitely the first mover there. And we're looking at a couple of projects, particularly the Sierra Maestra project that is definitely elephant country. The, the geological pedigree there and the scale of the mineralization that's known in the old uh, deposits is it's very, very large. There's a big footprint there. So um, the only thing it hasn't had is exploration, modern exploration, and that's what we're doing now. So let's start with Sierra Maestra. So you've secured uh, three concessions, 54,000 hectares, uh, highly prospective for copper, gold and molybdenum, I guess. Um, what's, so what's the forward program there? Okay, so the, the idea is there, we, we went into the Sierra Maestra because as a geologist, you've got to look into what belts are going to be the most prospective. And the Sierra Maestri belt, which is in southeast Cuba, is what they call the Neocene potentially porphyry belt. So the Eocene is an age, and that age is very, very prolific all the way through South America and Central America with very, very large copper porphyry deposits. So you're talking about the Chilano giants, you're talking about the new discoveries that have been found in northwest Ecuador and also the Choco Arc in, in Colombia. So when you hear the, the, the word Eocene with porphyries, there's very, very few of these worldwide, and they're they produce giants. So we, we jumped all over this. We went down there. We had a good look around. We've got exceptionally good uh, prospective geology there. We've got the Eocene intrusions, which are driving all the metal systems. And the pedigree is there because of deposits like El Cobre. I mean, El Cobre has been, as I said, mined for hundreds of years. Um, it's extremely large. It's hard to put a, a, an exact number on the size of it, but I would suggest it's probably well over 350 million tonnes in size. Um, and it's related to a porphyry system. So it's got the mineral endowment there already. It's underexplored. So we, we've spent a lot of time prospecting in that belt, and we've put together a package of what we think is the key areas, particularly in La Cristina and La Vega. And what we're seeing there is an exceptionally large footprint of surface mineralization and um, hydrothermal alteration. So we're looking at high sulfidation uh, gold copper systems that are outcropping there. Um, we see them on roads. Um, there's some artisanal mining going on there. Um, but we also have, from the Soviet period, there's some been some exploration underground tunnelling through these systems. And that's been excellent for us because we get to see these things in 3D. The other thing that we're seeing is that they're part of a porphyry cluster. So high sulfidation systems are the upper part of porphyry systems where they're preserved. And we're seeing porphyry mineralization as well. So right now, between La Vega and La Cristina, we've probably got eight square kilometres of surface mineralization and hydrothermal alteration that's never been drilled. So if you see that in an Eocene porphyry vault, you've got to jump at it because that's where the elephants are going to be. 
how quickly can you be drilling? Right now we're focusing on uh, El Pilar, which we'll talk about, which is the, the, the our first copper gold project. That's the one in central Cuba, yeah? That's the one in central Cuba we'll talk about a little bit next because we're at drilling stage. We're currently drilling that right now. Um, the plan with the Sierra Maestri is because we're drilling at El Pilar, we've done all the preliminary prospecting. We've worked out where the key areas are. We've made our applications. We've got our titles granted. So we'll be looking at kicking off a full uh, field season from uh, first quarter next year, 2024. And that'll involve having full-time field crews out there, um, geologists basically working up these things from doing a lot of surface geochem, geophysics through to drilling. We hope to be drilling there pretty quick because everything looks pretty obvious at surface, but you've got to go through that process. So we'll be doing geochem, surface sampling, uh, a lot of mapping and sampling, and also um, some surface geophysics, which will be uh, ground magnetics and uh, IP. Okay, so big uh, 2024 in prospect. The, just before uh, touching on El Pilar, what is the nature of the relationship with GeoMinera? So, so GeoMinera is basically the geological survey. So everything to do with mineral resources or exploration in Cuba, you, you go through them. So their head office is in Havana, so we deal with the head office. And then depending on where we're working in Cuba, we work with their regional offices. So um, basically they're you have a relationship with them where you have a 50-50 split. That's basically how everything works. But because Cuba is opening up more, um, all of the industries, not just the mining industry and exploration industry, are now moving towards renegotiating to towards 75-25 splits. So that makes it a lot more attractive. And that shows Cuba's willingness and openness to um, bring in international investment. Um, and the mining exploration industry is part of that. So we're in the process of doing that now. So that becomes a lot more... Um, appetizing, if you can say, to certainly the majors to be looking at places like Cuba as well. And and to be quite honest with you, there's a lot of majors that have got it on the radar because they understand the prospectivity of places, particularly like the Sierra Maestri. Mm, I bet. And I'll just make a note there that um, joint venture loans, sale proceeds, etc., that would uh, be generated over time by the joint venture do go uh, are deposited in a foreign uh, bank account for disbursement directly to creditors. So there's no... Uh, country credit risk as such, and uh, I'll just add that that was the formula BHP made its original investment in Escondida, the world's biggest copper mine. So um, that's how they do things in South America and uh, in the Caribbean, obviously. Now, El Pilar, uh, two porphyry concessions. Yes, yeah, so at El Pilar, we're, we're, we're currently drilling. The story with El Pilar was when we first went to, to Cuba, um, we basically looked at all of the uh, available data that was available. And there was a couple of prospects that, that stood out. And one of them was El Pilar. El Pilar was drilled in the early 90s by a Canadian junior. And basically, they went in with an RC rig. There's a big surficial footprint there. It's about two square kilometres. Um, and basically, what we're seeing at surface there, it, it's, it's the upper part of a preserved porphyry system. The Terrain there is very flat, so there's not a lot of outcrop. But what you can see there is that it's definitely related to the, the size and the intensity of the alteration system there, what we call a philic halo, related to the later parts of a porphyry system, is in place. There's been a lot of artisanal gold mining there at surface. So what we're seeing is you're, you're in the tropics, obviously, so you've got a very oxidised uh, saprolite there. So you've got about 50 metres vertical where the rock is completely oxidised. So what we're seeing is it was a copper-gold system at surface, and all the copper has been leached down to the interface with the fresh rock, so you don't see it at surface. But what remains is the gold, and that's what the artisanal miners have been going at. So the Canadians went in there. Um, in the 90s, porphyry systems weren't really understood 
particularly in tropical trains, and Canadians don't really understand tropical trains because they're working in fresh rock. Most of the places where they're working, there isn't even oxidised rock. So they've gone in, they've drilled a whole lot of shallow drill holes, and they've outlined an oxide gold cap. So what we noticed straight away is in some of the drilling, they hit copper at the end of holes, but they didn't go into it. So we had a, a model. We decided we were going to do some deeper drilling there. And we went in and confirmed that about a year ago. So we drilled a couple of shallow holes and we got fantastic like gold and copper hits there. I mean, we're getting plus 100 metres at plus 1% copper um, in the lower part of the oxide where we've got secondary chalcosite, which is a, probably the best copper oxide mineral because it's very easy to leach. It's got no nasties in it. And then below that, we were going into the fresh rock and we were hitting copper sulphide in porphyry-style alteration and also with breaches. So straight away, we knew that our idea was correct. We'd, we'd confirmed the model and that we now have to go and look where the main part of the porphyry system is. So porphyry systems, um, it's not just one intrusion. It's not very simple like that. Um, you generally get a series of intrusions. You've got to find out which one is more fertile so you can go for the economic part of the system, but you've got to find it first. So that's what we're doing now. So the key with El Pilar is, though, is that we've, we've, we've pretty much drilled out a oxide, copper and gold uh, deposit potentially at, at El Pilar, um, and we're doing the economics on that now. So the idea is if we can get started on that, we can have a very low capex and very high-grade oxide, gold and copper operation that can give us cash flow pretty quickly. So El Pilar is what we call the project, but El Pilar is the first of three prospects in there. So we've drilled El Pilar. We've done a couple of deep holes under that. We'll need to do a lot more. Um, we've gone to Gaspar, which is immediately to the east, and what we're seeing there is the same thing. So at surface, there was some artisanal gold mining of oxide gold. There was no indication of copper at all. We've hit copper below that. So Gaspar's looking really, really interesting. We've only just got our first deep hole under that. Well, it's not that deep. It's only a couple of hundred metres, but it's given us um, a, a look at what the fresh rock is underneath, and we're seeing copper sulphide there. We're seeing porphyry-style alteration again. So um, now what we plan on doing is maybe drilling a hole at Camillo, which is at further to the east again. That's a deeper target, but it's got a much higher magnetic signature with it. So it looks like that could potentially be the heart of the porphyry system. And what we're seeing at Gaspar and, and El Pilar is peripheral to that, but still mineralised. So you've got that combination there of uh, the, the shallow oxide um, uh, area, and uh, then you've got the deeper uh, porphyry. So can a company of Antilles side be punching deeper holes, or how deep are we talking? Is it the sort of thing that you might need a joint venture partner with deeper pockets to come in and fund? Okay, so we're not going to go in and drill kilometre deep holes yet, but you basically do it in stages. So we, we, we've drilled, well, the oxide has been drilled. We've got a pretty good understanding of that. We've done three deeper holes under El Pilar, which are about 400 metres. So they've gone down about 300 metres vertically. And we are seeing we're still in the system. So rather than putting your eggs into one basket and just keep drilling at El Pilar, You've got to test systematically all of your targets within a porphyry cluster because, as I said, it's about two kilometres squared. And in that, it doesn't mean that what you see at surface is going to be the best stuff at depth. So at El Pilar, we've got lots of oxide, copper and gold there, but it doesn't mean it's the best part of the system in the sulphide system at depth. So um, you'd be crazy to put all your drilling metres into one target when you've got so much potential in there. So... As I said, we've, we've drilled one deeper hole at um, Gaspar. Again, we're in the same system. Um, we're seeing copper sulphide there as well. We need to look at 
Camillo as well, which we'll do in the short term, but we'll certainly get more holes in the gas bar as well. But it's basically, it's a jigsaw. You've got to put it together and you've got to be systematic and you've got to be very thoughtful about where you're spending your exploration funds because they're hard to come by, right? I just mentioned there, though, um, Antilles is uh, fairly unique on the OSX in the sense that it's later this year, there's meant to be a, an arbitration decision on a $45 million A dollar claim uh, con- contractual claim against Dominican Republic for a, a previous project which had some history to it, but we've moved on now. We're on into Cuba, but that is in the background that um, would provide you some with some potentially provide you with some handy dollars to have a real crack at these projects in the Cuba. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, if if that cash comes in and they they're feeling quite confident with the litigation through the lawyers, I mean, if it comes in, it's just going to re-rate the company completely. First of all, we're going to have a lot of cash in the bank. The, the valuation should skyrocket, and it'll give us the ability to fully test these you know targets in in Cuba without having to go back to the market. So, like you said, it's very very unique. I've never seen a company like this, and in the short term, we're going to see this happen. Hopefully, you're a ge- geologist with uh, 25 years plus international experience uh, associated with some big gold and gold copper uh, discoveries over the years. Just wondering, uh, trying to gauge what your level of excitement with this uh, Cuban pushes well okay very excited i mean as, as i said i mean i actually re- reached out to antilles because i saw the opportunity there they didn't advertise for anyone i don't think they really wanted anyone but i kind of reached out to them because it was just so intriguing i mean when we came to columbia we came into columbia in a very similar similar situation to to where cuba is now we came in where the, the country was basically being cut off it had opened up there was a proactive government and in the space of 15 years, we made three major discoveries. Um, so that was Britica, that was plus 10 million ounces. It was sold for over $1.5 billion to Zijin of China. It's the biggest gold mine in, in Colombia right now. Um, we had another company which made the Alacran discovery, which is now plus 100 million tonnes or um, at about 0.6 copper. That was taken off our hands by Robert Friedland's HBX group, and that's in pre-development. And we also had another company called Collective Mining, which has made the Apollo uh, copper, gold, silver discovery. So if you're in the right place at the right time in prospective areas, you can make discoveries and you can make big ones. So what we've done in Cuba, I could see the similarities with, with Colombia, um, reached out to them. We've had full access to the country. It's got a new, it's got a number of different uh, min, uh, mineral belts in it. So we've gone through them and we worked out which, which is the most prospective. Certainly where we are in El Pilar and particularly in Sierra Maestri, I think is by far the best belt in Cuba. There's no one else operating there. There's a massive uh, copper gold deposit there that's been mined for hundreds of years and it's unexplored. So it was very, very similar. There's a big footprint there. You've got a big land mass, so you're not going to run out of land like in a lot of places in Central America or or other places in the, in the Caribbean. Cuba is the largest landmass, so there's a lot of ground you can deal with. So I, I can see the similarities there, and I, I can see that there will be discoveries in Cuba in the in the in the short term. So um, you've got to be there to make them. I mean, as an exploration geologist, these opportunities, particularly in Eocene porphyry belts like Sierra Maestri, they don't come around maybe once in your life. So when they do, you've got to jump at them. Okay. So how does one go about setting up shop in uh, Cuba? You've uh, opened an office in Havana, I take it? Well, yeah. Well, Antilles have done a good job because they'd actually been there for quite some time before I got involved with them and that they have a full office in Havana. They have a a, a, a a group of Australians that are working there, development guys that have been focusing on Demahaga, which is the big gold deposit they have on the Isle of Use in southwestern Cuba. 
um, and basically to build that mine. So now they're focusing also on the oxide at uh, El Pilar. So we have a full team in, in Havana that are basically getting ready to push the button and move ahead with at least one of the developments, if not two at the same time. And then we, we look after the exploration. So we, we've got really good access with the Cuban government, GM and ERA. Um, they give us access to people. We're actively training up some of the young guys. We've got some fantastic Colombian geologists that are helping out over there with that are working with Antilles. So we've got all the people in place. You've just got to actually a bit of patience and and you know and and stick to the plan and the strategy, and you'll eventually get there. So how's your Spanish? Well, pretty good. I I lived in Brazil for fifteen years first, so I learned Portuguese, and then I had to learn Spanish after that. So Colombia is great. I've been in Colombia nearly for twelve years now. So. It's a great country. Um, unfortunately, the government's not too good right now. That's why we're focusing elsewhere. But Cuba's coming good, right? So, I mean, as I said, you've got to take advantage of places when they when they are coming good. And Cuba is certainly one of those right now. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to last forever. So you've got to take the advantage when you can. All right, Chris, fascinating story. Let's bring it all together so we can just leave in investors' minds some key milestones that they should be looking out for, say, in the next 12 months. Okay, so well, I suppose what we're what we're working on on the exploration front. I mean, we're we're going to get an economic kind of assessment on the El Pilar oxide copper gold that should be coming out hopefully in the next couple of months. They're advancing the Demahagua because they've been looking at the gold, the silver, and also the uh, antimony there. So they're waiting on more assays on that to relook at the economics there. But also the exploration, which is basically us starting to push uh, Sierra Maestri in first quarter next year. I mean, as soon as we get back to work after the Christmas, New Year's Eve break, we'll be starting the exploration full-time in Sierra Maestri at La Vega and La Cristina. But short-term, certainly with the development, it's going to be the El Pilar Oxide um, and the Demahagua uh, gold, silver, antimony deposits. So there we go, folks. A very interesting story. Near-term production of uh, gold antimony, uh, but uh, a fascinating uh, exploration exposure all inside of a company with a current market cap of $17 million and 2024 shaping up as a big, big year. So well done, Chris. Fascinating story. Thanks for your time today. We'll be watching with interest. Good luck with it all. Thanks, Barry. It's been excellent. Thank you very much. Yeah.